Well, do you do the math? I know some of you are wanting to argue with that, and you're wanting to say, now come on, that's not accurate. An hour a day in the bathroom, I know I spend more time than that. Yeah, some of you know you spend a half hour shot when you go in that, that door closes. But, uh, you know, how do you spend your time? That, that's the important question. How do you spend your time? And uh, today we're going to look at what Jesus says about spending our time. And, and He's concerned with that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Luke, the 12th chapter. Okay, we've been in this chapter a long time, and we've got another week. We're going to finish up with Easter Sunday in Luke, and then, uh, or in the 12th chapter, and then we'll move on to 13th chapter. Jesus says a lot of important things in that 12th chapter. If you have one of those New Testaments, it's page 63. And by all means, let me invite you. If you do not have a Bible to bring with you, then by, there's New Testaments on a table out in the hallway when you exit. Just pick one of those up, bring it back next week, because I'll be asking you to circle some things, underline some things, so that when you read that at another season in your life, those underlined or circled things will stand out and you'll realize, you'll read the context a little bit closer and God will help you have that meaning as the Spirit leads you in that. But before we go on, let me say this is the fourth Sunday, okay, of the month. And what we do, the fourth, sometimes the fifth, but usually the fourth, if you have your, your handout you're given, your message map, there's a page that says, Touch Someone's Life Gift. And what we do on the fourth Sunday here at Connection is we're going to pass some popcorn bags, and we're going to ask you to put some money in it if you want to. We're not looking for big dollars. We're looking for nickels, dimes, whatever you want to put in. And uh, whenever we pass that, then we're going to collect that. And the lead team members will go out and count that, and they'll come back in to worship. And then I'm going to give that to one of you, uh, depending on how much we collect. Uh, maybe two of you, but probably one of you. And uh, your purpose will be to take that and give that to somebody this week. And that's a story. We always put this, one of the stories in here, and that's a story of somebody this month who last month was given the money, and they gave it away, okay? And so uh, uh, if, you're, if this is your first time to be with us, or you've been coming to Connection, and you're just a guest, and you're not real regular, you just watch the bag. Let it go on by when we pass it. Uh, we're not concerned about getting your money. We don't even push money here. Uh, there's a box back there. People just drop it in. When we talked about purchasing property, we asked people to make a challenge. Uh, we, we hadn't even been talking about that because now it's in God's hands. And this is going to be in God's hands. And we're just letting it go. Instead of controlling this, I know some people are going to say, how do you know they're going to use it right? We're going to just leave that in God's hands. That's the way Connection is trying to build its DNA. Not so much we're in control, but God is being in control. And so, like I said, you, this is your first Sunday or you're not a regular part of Connection, you just pass the, the bag. I will say this, and lead team people need to go get in your positions. I will say this, when the bag goes by you, if you have a need, okay, this is just trusting God. You need an extra $10, $20, you can't buy groceries, you need something extra, you just reach in there and you take out what you need if there's enough, okay? And uh, there won't be much starting. But by all means, and somebody's going to say, hey, what are you doing? And what is going on? Is that thunder? No, that, 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 that's lighting effects. Okay, let's get that right. Because you guys won't pay attention to me. Okay? I'd already asked somebody to check, because if it's snowing, we're really going to go through this real quick. And it's still raining, so you know that's still raining. Okay? It doesn't lightning when it snows, does it? Ah, come on, don't correct me, Okay? 
<laughs> okay, let's move on. But listen, if you really need it, this is just letting God be in control. You feel free to reach in there. Somebody says something to you, you tell them to come and talk to me afterwards, okay? Because we do. We don't. Sometimes that need's not out there, it's right here in the midst. So go ahead and pass those bags, and as they're passing them down, you just pass them on down, they're going to collect them, okay? Let's get back to Luke, the 12th chapter, okay? And when the bag goes by you, you just take care of that. But Luke, the 12th chapter, if, if you don't have your Bibles, the Scriptures will be on the screen, okay? Now, last week, Jesus reminded us of something very important. Now, he, he, in the 12th chapter, He said this, don't be controlled by bullies. I really wish I could, I could go over that again. Because there are religious bullies, there are parental bullies, there are children bullies, there are work bullies, there are bullies. Jesus says, don't be controlled by bullies in this life. He said, then in the 12th chapter, he said, don't be controlled by cre- greed. I'm sorry, greed. And then last week, don't be controlled by worry. Can't re-preach those sermons. If you want to hear those, get online, www.connectionmtv.com. Org, I believe it is, but it's on the back of your handout, and you can get to the sermons, you can listen to that, okay? But he said something very important last week in the process of not worrying, and really in the process of living life. If you have your Bibles, look there at the 31st verse. If you don't have your Bibles, look at the screen. Luke 12, 31. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. Now, quite honestly, I've memorized this verse from Matthew, because Matthew puts it, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. In other words, Jesus is talking about how to live, so that's incorporated with Luke. Matthew makes a point to say live righteously. Live the way God wants you to live. So what is this saying now, before we get into what we're going to get in in, in the next few verses, Jesus is saying this. When you get up in the morning, okay? When you get up in the morning, now look, you're saying, I mean, I've got some concerns about the day. I've got to do some things. So you get up in the morning, you tend to think about your day. Begin thinking how you can seek God's kingdom. And He'll give you everything you need in that day. When you go to school, when you go to work, begin thinking. Begin thinking, how can I seek God's kingdom at school and work? And He'll give you everything you need. If you're dating or you're married, in your dating life, in your married life, seek God's kingdom, He'll give you everything you need. With your money, seek God's kingdom, He'll give you everything you need. In what you watch, in what you read, seek God's kingdom, He'll give you everything you need. I could just go through a lot of things, and all I'm trying to say is what Jesus is trying to tell us, when he talked about not being controlled by different things, bullies, greed, and worry, he comes to that 31st verse and he says, in all you do, whatever it is, seek God's kingdom above all else. And he'll give you what you need. And some of us get worried about what's coming up and we don't stop and think, what's the next thing God would want me to do? Now Jesus says that, okay? And the question is, when are we to do that? And the answer is right now, right where we live, Right now. That's when we are to do it. Now, I want to leave us in prayer because I want to ask God's Spirit to help us understand what Jesus is going to say. Would you bow with me? Father, we come to You. You have heard us sing. You have heard us share our relationships with each other. You have watched us as we have arrived, as we have taken our seats. You know what's going on inside us. Father, we know the weather. 
You've given us the weather. Father, we just pray to help us right now to concentrate just quickly on what it is Jesus wants us to understand. May Your Spirit, Spirit of God, speak to us. Give us insight. Give us understanding that we might understand within the context of what Jesus is saying, what it says to us today. We ask Your blessing at this time. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, we are told in the Bible that Jesus is coming again. He's going to talk about that. After talking about not being controlled by bullies, after talking about not being controlled by greed, after talking about not being controlled by worry, after telling us, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He'll give you what you need, then He's going to talk about coming back. And the Bible tells us, so that you know Luke is just hearing from other people who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus. Luke is investigating that, and he is telling that. I want you to just... Look at the screen and see what some other people said about Jesus coming again. Look on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 5.2. This is Paul speaking. And Paul wrote to the Christians in a community called Thessalonica. Thessalonians, Thessalonica. He said, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, once you remember that, like a thief in the night. People talk about the coming of the Lord. I want you to catch the theme. It's unexpectedly, it's unexpectedly like a thief in the night. Now look at the, on the screen again, look at 2 Peter. Look what Peter wrote. Peter wrote to the people his letter and he said, but the day of the Lord's re- the day of the Lord, we could put return there. That's what he's talking about. But the day of the Lord, his return, will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Okay? They're not trying to predict when it's going to happen. What they're writing, they're saying, when it does happen, you won't even be ready. I mean, in a sense, it'll be unexpected. You won't know it's going to happen. Not be ready, because Jesus talks about that. You won't know it's going to happen. It's unexpected. Look at one more. Look at Revelation. Okay? Now we've heard Paul, great man of God. We've heard Peter. Great man of God. And now we hear John as he writes what Jesus said. And Jesus said to John, look, he says, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me. Very understandable. The people of that time and that day believed Jesus was coming again They weren't trying to predict. They're not like people today. They're not studying to try to predict. Some people get so carried away with that. They tell us nobody can predict it. Matter of fact, there's been people who have already tried to set dates and we've passed those dates. I tell you, if anybody, Jesus says only the Father in heaven knows when He's going to come back. If somebody happened to hit that date, I think God would change it. See? Because it's going to be unexpected. So if somebody tells you they know that time, those people who live closer to Jesus, those people who experience His presence, tells us the thing about His coming is it's going to be like a thief in the night. You're just not going to know. It's going to happen, okay? It's going to surprise you. So look on your message map. There's a page for blanks. Look at the first blank. Look what I wrote there. It says, Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago. Jesus will come back again one of these days. We are living in the time between these two comings of Jesus. We could call the time we are living the waiting time between. 
Okay? Now you need to understand that. The waiting time between. If you don't understand that, I'm going to tell you, the next verses probably won't have a lot of impact in your life. Okay? Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is going to come again another time. Okay? One day in the future, He's going to come. Could be this afternoon. Could be tomorrow. You see, this afternoon is the future. And Jesus is going to come. We're in that time in between. We're in the waiting time between His first coming and His second coming. Now look what He says. Look at verse 35. He gives us instruction. He says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamp burning as though you were waiting. Circle the waiting. Okay? Circle the waiting. That's an important word when you read this. He says, you must be dressed and you must keep your lamp burning, okay, while you're waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Now, I was going to talk a little about the wedding feast, just not enough time. I hear that like you do, okay? Okay? Jesus is just telling them. He's saying, what you've got to realize is in this waiting time between, okay, you should be waiting for Him to come as if you're waiting for your master to come. If somebody told you they're coming to visit your house and it was going to be today, you would be waiting for them to come. You would have expectancy. In other words, he's saying, sort of be like Motel 6. What, is, what do they say in the advertisement for Motel 6? We always leave the light on. And so what does Jesus say here? He says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. Keep the light on for His coming. Some of us have shut it off. He's going to talk about that in a little bit. Some of us have ignored that He's coming back. He's going to talk about that. He's saying you need to be dressed and waiting. Dressed and waiting. Look on your message map, the next blank. The return of Jesus is a certain event, but at an uncertain moment. It's a certain event, but at an uncertain moment. Some people are living their lives... Some Christians are living their lives as if it's not certain. And Jesus is telling us it's going to happen. We are to be dressed. We are as if we've got our light on, waiting for Him to come. We are to be waiting for that time. And He's going to talk about how you wait. Look, He goes on in verse 36. He says, then you will, He says, you will be, and I'd recommend you circle the word ready, then you will be ready, waiting and ready. The two important words, in this context, okay? Then you will be waiting, ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, people who are waiting and they're ready are going to be the people who are going to get the reward. Now, think about that. You see, because some of us, we're not waiting for Jesus to come back and we're not ready for him coming back. We're, we're, we're living our life for ourselves. We're not living our lives for Him. Look, this is not a good morning for me. But I am not living this morning for me. I'm living this morning for Him. For His glory. Seek His kingdom first. But you don't understand. God, I feel. But I'm living this day for Him. I am to be waiting and ready. He's coming again. And he says, the people whom he returns to and finds waiting and ready are the people who will be rewarded. 
They're the people who He will honor. And He's going to talk about that. Look, He goes on in verse 70. I mean, verse 37. Verse 37. I tell you the truth. He Himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. In other words, He gives us a description of how He's going to reward. Do I understand this? No. Okay? Can I really get you to see the full picture? I don't know. But could you imagine the angels of heaven appear in this ceiling? See, it got real quiet. Something's going to happen. And the angels of heaven, the host of heaven, begin singing the hallelujah chorus. And Jesus comes right here in our midst. No doubt. Listen, when He comes... Everybody will know it's Jesus. It won't be like when He came the first time. Is He the Messiah? I wonder. I'm telling you, people who don't believe and people who believe will know it is the long-awaited Christ. He's back. And then He's going to come up to you and He's going to say, young lady, let me take your shoes off and wash your feet. He's going to say, ma'am, can I go get you some popcorn? Now I want to ask you, some of you I've asked, because see, I only live to serve Jesus. I'm telling you. And somebody I ask, can I go get you some water? Can I get you some popcorn? And you say no. Now, if Jesus asks you if he gets you some popcorn, what are you going to say? There you go. Go give me two bags, Jesus. (laughs) You see, that's what Jesus is trying to tell those people. He's trying to say, when I come back, if I find you waiting and ready, I will reward you as if I am your own personal servant. As if I put an apron on. I've sat you down and I'm taking care of you. See, sometimes you, some of you people overwhelm me in the way you honor and serve me. And I hope I overwhelm you sometimes in the way I honor and serve you. You ladies know, whenever it's between you picking something up and me picking something up, I tell every woman in connection, no, let me carry that for you. You carried our babies. Let me carry these objects for you. I don't see her here, so I'll... Last week, we had a lady came for the first time. And whenever we were cleaning up, I mean, taking down, I heard her tell the people she's with, I feel like I ought to be involved. These people are so working together. And I went over there and I told her, I heard that and thanked her, and I said, how have you felt? And she says, man, I tell you, you make me feel special as a lady. And I say, hang out, connection. Connection to do that to women. Now, ladies, you meet some man that's a jerk, kick him. Because you are special. And I've already preached on that a few times. And I'm not patronizing anybody. I'm telling you what the Bible says. A husband is supposed to die for his wife. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the wife dies for her husband. Jesus says, listen, when I come, if I find you waiting and ready, life isn't all about you, it's all about me. It's not all about your kingdom, it's all about my kingdom. You're seeking God's kingdom first, above everything else. Somebody says, why do you do what you do? Because you see, it's not my choice. If it's His kingdom's work, that's where I have to show up. My children grew up with that. And they know that. And they now, as adults, seek His kingdom work. And they have children like I have children. And they make that choice. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not about how I'm going to spend tonight. It's about what 
God's kingdom would want me to spend tonight. It's not about what I'm going to do next week. It's about what God's kingdom wants me to do next week. Look, Renlay College. I appreciate Matt doing that. I thought I was going to say something. I am so proud of those boys. Or really, they're men. And those people are involved. And I'm proud of our own lady who takes care of those men. Always takes a good lady to take care of the men, okay? But go play that tournament game. That's what God has put in your life. But when you play it, do it for His kingdom. And Matt told you. Was it Bronson? Dawson said. It's what Dawson said. See? That's what Jesus is talking about. Look, we got so many of these crazy TV preachers talking about the second coming of Jesus, and they got so many people hyped up. I'm telling you, you know what Jesus says about the second coming? Don't be trying to figure out what it is. Just stop and think, am I ready today? Am I waiting and ready today? Is today all about Him and God's kingdom, or is it all about me and my kingdom? That's what He's trying to get across. Now look, He goes on, verse 38. He may come in the middle of the night, or just before dawn. You catching the understanding of that? He's saying you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know. He says, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. I don't understand that totally. I know heaven is my home, but the Bible says, our Lord said, if you're waiting, Mike, for me, if you're ready for me, if everything about you is seeking my kingdom, and listen, Listen, that doesn't mean I don't sin. That doesn't mean I don't get selfish. Please. But if I'm seeking His kingdom, I'm going to tell you, that's why I have my daily time with God. He talks to me. His Spirit speaks to me. Sometimes it's not His Spirit, but it's His woman named Laura who speaks to me. My wife, say. And sometimes it's my grown children. They say something and get me to realize I'm not behaving the right way. And so seeking His kingdom, I apologize. Seeking His kingdom, I move back to where God wants me. But if he sees that, he's saying, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reward my servants who are waiting and ready. That's what he says. Now look at 38. He says, understand this. If a homeowner... Now he's going to talk about that waiting and ready. That's why those two words are the most important words in this context. If a homeowner, in 39, if an, understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. In other words, he'd be waiting and ready. Are you following that? Okay. He says, 40, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now what he's telling us is, he's saying, be ready, be waiting, ready. Be waiting, ready. You're in the between times, okay? You're in the waiting times between His first coming, second coming. And He's telling all of His followers, you always need to be waiting and ready. And I know because we hear the TV preachers talk so much about His second coming, we hear preachers talk about His second coming, and they give entire long and some guys, that's all they talk about. And some people will say one thing, and some people will say another. And pretty soon, what happens to us? We become numb to the second coming of Jesus. We become numb to it. Okay? We're not looking for it anymore. We're not ready for it. We're not waiting for it. We're going on with life. See? And Jesus is telling them, you need to treat this as if somebody's going to break into your house, and you know it's going to happen. You're going to be waiting and ready. If you knew that time, 
And he says, now you don't know the time I'm coming back. But you are to be waiting and ready. How? Seeking the kingdom of God above all else. That's what he says. Look on the message map. Your next blank. Jesus is telling us to stay alert. How? By seeking the kingdom of God above all else. That's what he's telling us. Stay alert. Stay alert. Now, Jesus has one disciple who always got to ask the questions, okay? And that's Peter. And look what verse 42 tells us. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? In other words, what you've told us and you've used this homeowner and, and the thief that's going to come, is that for us or is that for everyone? Okay? You're talking to your disciples? You're talking to all people. That's what Peter's asking him. Jesus doesn't really say what Jesus does. He talks about servants. Now let me stop. You see, some people believe, they say they're a follower of Jesus Christ, but they know they're not. God will not, believe me, God will not confuse anybody that heaven's your eternal home when it's not. Okay? A person just has to lie about it. Okay? So, people know if they're a servant. When a mom with a kid or two kids walk by you and their, their child drops something, they know who the servants are. Because the servants say, what? Boy, that mom ought to take care of her kids, right? What's the servant do? Stop and picks up. See, God knows who the servants are. So Jesus doesn't say, yeah, this is for you disciples or this is for all people. He talks about servants. Look what he says in 42. And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of man managing his other household servants, and feeding them. And if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. In other words, Jesus just told him, if you're waiting and ready when I come back, in other words, that could be this afternoon. And so, this morning, I hope you're here because you're seeking God's kingdom above all else. Because there's a lot of other things you could have done. And this afternoon, I hope you seek God's kingdom above all else. And believe me, I think because God put that idea of the invention of the basketball in that Kansas guy's mind or wherever he grew up at, okay? God probably wants us to watch basketball unless he's got something else for us to do. Okay? In other words... Seek God's will. Because some people are going to say, well, you've got to be studying the Bible all the time and praying all the time. No, no, no. Okay? Seek God's will in all you do. And all you do involves so many different worlds because there's so many different people here. Some of us, similar things. Some of us, different things. And Jesus says, if you're ready, if you're waiting and ready, and I come back and I see that, you're going to be reward, rewarded. So now... Peter says, you're talking to us who are your followers, the disciples, or are you talking to all people? And Jesus doesn't give an answer to that. Jesus said, I'm going to just tell you this. A servant who's a good servant will know he's a good servant because he's doing what his master wants him to do. And that master will reward that servant. Okay, that's all he's saying in this. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to know the good servant. 
Because he's going to know in this waiting time between his first coming, second coming, whether it's this afternoon or tomorrow or ten years from now, you're seeking to be a good servant. See, he knows that. You see, some people, it's not about God's kingdom, it's about their kingdom. It's not about what God wants, it's about what they want. And Jesus is saying, in this time in between, whether it's going to be one afternoon, just a few hours, or a few days, or one day, or a decade, or a or hundred years from now, the day you find yourself in that waiting time between, you are always to be stopping and thinking, am I seeking God's kingdom above all else? My relationship with my mate, God's kingdom above all else, not my kingdom. That's where I run into trouble in relationship with my wife. Because I want to put my kingdom, God's kingdom, God's kingdom of all else. That's where I run in relationship problems with people because I want to put my kingdom, God's kingdom of all else. That's where I have a time problem because I want to put my kingdom, God's kingdom above all else. That's where I might have ran into trouble whenever I had my children living at home because I wanted to put my kingdom and their kingdom first. God's kingdom above all else. Jesus is saying He will come again and He knows who's going to be the faithful servants. Doesn't mean you're perfect. I already told you. I struggle. You will struggle. But it means when the Spirit speaks to you, you get back to putting God's kingdom first. You go to work. Those people hard. Somebody confronts you. You get angry. But God speaks to you after a while. You put God's kingdom first. You do some apologies. You don't harbor those ill feelings. You let them go. You get back into relationship. See, when He comes back, He'll see who His faithful servants are. He knows who they are. Peter. Peter tried to get his readers to understand that. Look on the screen. 1 Peter 13. Peter wrote this. So think clearly. Now look what he says. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to this world, when He returns. That's what Peter's talking about. This is in context with what Jesus is saying. Peter heard this, see? And so he's writing this to his followers. And he says, think clearly. Exercise self-control as you're thinking about the time Jesus is going to come and be revealed in His return to the world. And He says, so, look what He says, so, so, based upon He's coming back, based upon thinking clearly. He says, so, based upon exercising self-control, so you must live as as God's obedient children. Look what he says now, because here's my struggle, your struggle. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Look, God works in your life. He picks you up. He brings you to expectation. He brings you to some victories. He tells you, here's some answers. And you taste that victory. But what happens is, you stop holding on to that Or you stop exercising that self-control. You stop holding on to that clear thinking. And pretty soon you slip back. And you know who's calling the shots in your life? You are. As hard as your mate might try to work with you, you're calling the shots. As hard as God is trying to get help to you, you refuse because you slip back that old behavior. 
And it's probably a behavior you learned from your mom or your dad or out of some rebelliousness. And remember what we learned last week. All it does is create crying noise in you. That's what Jesus said last week. All it does is create crying noise. See, because it's your kingdom. It's not God's. It's all about you. It's not all about Him. And Peter's telling the people, Jesus is coming back. And so, waiting for that time. Don't slip back to what you used to know. And every one of us who is a believer in Jesus Christ struggles with that. Because you see, it's so easy to just let go and live the way I used to live. But we know that's not a good place to be. Look back into Luke. Look back to Luke 40, verse 45. But what if the servant thinks? Remember, Peter's question. You're talking to us, disciples. You're talking to all the people. And Jesus doesn't say what. He just says, I'm, I'm going to talk to servants. Because every one of us knows if you're a servant. You know if you are. No doubt about it. Don't kid yourself. You know if you're a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, but what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while. I still got time. And he begins beating the other servants. In other words, he acts the way he wants to act. He parties. He has his own fun. And he's getting drunk. He does excesses, okay? The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. That is judgment language, folks. Peter says, tell me, who are you talking to? Are you talking to us? Are you talking to him? Jesus said, I'm going to tell you who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who are supposed to be servants. And you know, Peter, whether you're a servant or not. And I want you to know the person who is the servant is the person who will receive the reward. The one who isn't the servant, they might as well realize. And remember, we talked about it last week. Lord, Lord, we preached in your name. Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, Lord, we healed in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me, judgment talk. I never even knew you. And he's telling Peter here, the answer is, the people who are waiting and ready are the people who are willing to be servants. Look, I'm not telling you, you don't have bad days, bad weeks, and bad seasons. Don't anybody leave here saying, Mike Davis is saying, Jesus says we've got to be perfect. He knows we're not. I'm just telling you, you know whether when pushed to shove and the Spirit speaks to you, you come back to wanting God's kingdom above your kingdom. You know that. When somebody gets you beside yourself and you're sort of upset with them, you know when the Spirit speaks to you whether you listen to God and as a good servant, you let go of that ill feeling and you move back to where He wants you to in relationship with people. See, Peter wanted an easy answer. Well, I'm talking about all those other people or I'm just talking to you. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm talking to servants. I'm talking to people who are serving me. They're going to be rewarded. Those who don't, they're just fooling themselves. Please take this seriously. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die for our sins. Jesus has come into this world. Sin is going to kill him on the cross. Because you see, he knows sin will kill you and I for eternity. And Jesus is coming to go to the cross because he doesn't want sin to kill us. And he's going to give himself for that purpose. God has stepped out of heaven in the second person of the Godhead. And he is going to give himself 
so that sin won't kill us. Be careful that if it's all about your kingdom, that sin isn't taking control of you. Be careful that sin isn't causing you to just turn your thoughts and your your sights away from what Jesus wants in your life. This is very serious stuff He's talking about. Look at 48. But someone who does not know. Now look what he says. Do I understand this completely? No. Can you read this in theology books? You can and you can get a lot of different, or not a lot, but you can get some different ideas. Look what he says. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong. Okay. I'm sorry, go back to 47. I missed that. 47. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. Okay? There are those who will hear what God has to say. No doubt about it. The Spirit speaks to them. And they ignore what God says. I refuse to turn the other cheek. I refuse to be kind to people who are hateful. I refuse to pray for those who curse me. I refuse to bless those who treat me unfairly. And you live in a world, so do I, that's always treating us unfair. He says, listen, there's some servants, they know what they ought to be doing. God has made it clear to them, and they ignore it. He says, those servants are going to be severely punished. They are going to be held strongly accountable. Do I understand all that? No. Do I understand in reading the Scriptures that there seems to be a way God rewards and there's a way God gives punishment? Yeah. There's, and, and to try to explain that means i got to be God. I'm just telling you, Jesus gives us insight. And you know, some of you know you're not the five-year-old. You're not the ten-year-old. You know what God wants you to do. And you simply ignore it. Based upon the fact you say, this is my kingdom and I can do what I want. And Jesus says, listen. That servant is going to be severely punished. Now please hear me. (laughs) Please hear me. We all have had the times where we have been disobedient. But you know if you seek to come back seeking God's kingdom above all else. You know if you say, God, I'm sorry. He's talking about the servant who doesn't even care. And you know those kinds of people. You can encourage them with God's word and with all rationale and reasonableness that God would give. And they know all the answers. They know all the way. And they're going to do it their way. And you know what? Their way doesn't help them. Remember I told you? Listen. Put God first in your money, He'll give you what you need. They're not. Put God first with your children, He'll give you what you need. They're not. Put God first where you work, He'll give you what you need. They're not. Put God first in your marriage, He'll give you what you need. They're not. You understand what I'm saying? They know. They know they're not doing it God's way. Now listen, I'm not the one who's saying this. This is Jesus. This is so serious because He's on His way to Jerusalem and He is passing through these these towns and these valleys and these areas and people are coming around and He's speaking some truth and He has to have these people who are calling themselves His followers to understand this is not just something you do on a Sunday. They don't even know it's going to be a Sunday. To them it's a Saturday. It's still the Sabbath. 
This is not just something you do when you're in my presence, Jesus is trying to say. This is something that your life is sold out to because He will be Lord. There's a lot of people who play Christianity and who play church. And Jesus says, those folks who know what I'm saying to them, listen, some of you young people, you have so much potential, but you refuse to put it on the altar for God. Get involved with other young people. Some of you young adults, other adults, you have so much, but you keep holding back. You can't do everything, but you can do some things. Jesus is saying those who know what they ought to be doing and they ignore it, they're going to be severely punished. They're going to be held strongly accountable. But look what He says in the next verse, 48. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. I told you, I don't think I can explain that totally. All it seems to mean is there are some people who do not realize You know, ever since I've been a teenager and then in university, what about those people who haven't heard? I don't want to get into that here. I'm just going to tell you this. Jesus says right here, there's some people, there's some people who do not seem to comprehend all that God wants. And so they don't do it all. And you see, the Father knows. And when Jesus comes back, they're going to be held lightly accountable. This is where somebody says, God is not fair. God is not just. The Bible teaches that an attribute of God is He's just. That means He's fair. And God will be fair. I'm not to be the judge. Who are those who are going to be strongly held accountable? And who are those who are going to be lightly held accountable? What I am to look and say, how will I be held accountable? Do you follow that? See, what am I understanding? And I'm going to tell you, because I spend a great deal of time in His Word, there's a lot of things that He has revealed to me that maybe He hadn't revealed to some of you. And He says, Mike, you're accountable. And so when you tell me to slow down, when you tell me to hold back, when you tell me not to do, you've got to understand something. You're not my Lord. See? And you need to realize that about your own life. You are just simply going to answer to Him and He will come back. And some of you know what you ought to be doing. This is why a lot of people quit going to church because they don't want to keep hearing about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. All you do, mom and dad, is make me feel guilty when you talk about Jesus. All that church does is make me feel guilty. Please, I've tried to say throughout this, we all struggle, we all fail, but we get back and we repent. We say, I'm sorry. And he's going to talk about that next week. But you know, you know whether you're responding to what God is telling you or you're just dismissing it. And Jesus says, some will be held strongly accountable and others lightly accountable. Look, 48 goes on. When someone has been given much Much will be required in return, and when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Okay? In other words, God gives a great deal of things to us. And some of us have much. Now listen, be careful that you don't think your much isn't as much as my much, or I think my much isn't as much as your much. He's just saying God gives us much. 
We talked about this last week. What you have is what God expects you to be responsible with. Okay? What we got to be careful is, with what I have, listen, in this waiting time between, I get caught up with the much. I am a good father. I am a good mother. See? I am a good sightseer. I am a good amusement planner. I am a good activities director for my children. See, I am good with the much. But I'm not good with the kingdom of God. And we've got to be careful. What the much does, now listen to me because I want to end with this. What the much does, this is why he tells us, he says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. Because he says, you're responsible. I'm going to reward faithful servants. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even much will be required. He's talking about, he doesn't say if you have a little, because everybody has much. And what much does, listen, whether my much seems to be a lot or a little, my much seems to cause me to postpone faithfulness in the waiting time between. You understand what I'm saying? I got a basketball. And my basketball begins to cause me to postpone faithfulness to the Lord. I have an ability. And that ability, guys, God gave me this ability. I ought to use it. But i got to be sure I use it to glorify Him, not glorify me to build my fame in my eyes or the eyes of others. Much often causes us to postpone faithfulness. You see, a, a young person says this. Look at a person going to, to, to elementary school or high school or college. They say this. You know, I don't really make a lot of money, so I can't be too generous for God. If they have any money at all, they got much. Because one-third of the world probably doesn't. doesn't. What we consider poverty in America, one-third of the world doesn't have. But you see, because this person looks at what they have, and in God's eyes it's what they have, so it's much. They say, I can't be generous. Or, or how about a young person who says this, because I've started a family and I'm raising my children, I can't give my time to serve like others do. See, the children, though they're demanding, they're the much. And we let the much postpone faithfulness. And you see, some of us, we have been self-sufficient. We have used wisely what God has given us. And we can go and we can do. And by all means, I think this world was created for our enjoyment. And families are created for our relationship. Community is important. But we've got to be careful because the much that we have can get in the way and postpone our faithfulness. I got a job. That's much today. I got a job. Oh man, it makes me tired. I just want to go home and, and, and rest from my job. And so what we do, we take the much of having a job and we postpone the opportunity God might have to use us to help others who we could help grow in their walk with Jesus. You see, in America... We tend to take the much 
and allow it to postpone faithfulness. That's what we tend to do. That's why Jesus doesn't say the person has little because he, he knows we all have something. And whatever it is, we use it as the excuse. You know what? I don't have very much. And so I can't. Whatever you want to say, you can't do for God. See, the much gets in the way and we postpone our faithfulness. Look at your message map, the last blank. Jesus is saying now, now is the time for faithful living. Now during the waiting time between, be a good servant. Use what you have. Don't let what you have keep you from being a good servant. Don't let it keep you from being what God wants you to be. Don't let what you have cause you to postpone faithfulness. Look on the screen. Look at Titus. Look what Titus said. Okay? Paul wrote this to a guy named Titus. He's reminding Titus, okay, that Jesus is coming back. Okay? I'm telling you, it was there. They, they weren't trying to figure out the season or the month or the year or the time. You get somebody telling you that, I tell you, turn the TV off. Because what they ought to be telling you is He's coming. Now, guy, man, go tell your wife you're sorry for the way you treated her. Go tell your husband you love him. Let your kids know you're going to serve God. Give yourself. Put His kingdom first. If they're talking about that in regards to His coming, they're doing what the New Testament did. If they're doing the other thing, they're becoming religious. And religion is always a problem to faithfulness. Look, look what Paul said. For God has revealed His grace for the salvation of all people. That grace instructs us, and look what he says, to give up ungodly living and worldly passions. You see, worldly passions aren't always ungodly. They're just keeping us from seeking first the kingdom of God above all else. To give up ungodly living and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this world. See, just be a good servant. When? I put the word when. Paul didn't put the word when in there. When? Let's go on to verse 13. When should we do this? As we wait for the blessed day when we hope when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will appear. His return. That's mine. Paul didn't write that. They understood that. When should I be living faithfully? In the waiting time between the first coming and the second coming. When should I be not postponing that faithful living? In the waiting time between. That's what He's looking at. He's looking at us now in this waiting time between. It may be a day. It may be a year. It may be a decade. It may be a century. It may be for a very long time. But the important thing is is that I look at myself and I see While I'm waiting, am I ready? While I'm waiting that day, while I'm waiting that decade, while I'm waiting that century, 
Am I ready? As if he was coming in the next hour. It will change our way of behaving and our choices in life. Now I go to the movie theater. Now Laura and I don't go to R-rated movies. You can if you want, okay? We just don't do that. But I go to movie theaters. I have taught my kids, I have taught my boys to watch chick flicks so that whenever they get married, their wives are going to love their husbands. I've taught my girls to like action flicks so when they get married, their husbands are going to love their wives. You see, if you're raising a kid, somebody's training, tr- someone is trusting you to raise that boy or that girl to be the godly husband or the godly wife. Don't think raising those kids is just getting them up in the morning, getting them fed, and getting their diapers changed. It is to raise a kid to put God's kingdom first. But now I have a very close friend, a family member, who would never go to the movies. Never go to the movies. Because in their mind, they were supporting those wicked evil Hollywood actors. Okay? I didn't argue. The Bible talks about somebody's got a conviction. But I almost wanted to say, do you still go to church with all those evil, wicked, sinful people? Okay? Do you catch that analogy? Okay. Some of you look like, what? But that person didn't go to the movies. What they said always has resonated in my memory. They said, because I feel it's wrong. And what if I was sitting in that movie theater and that was the time Jesus came back? See, they had the right theology on how to live life. Are you following with me? I should live each day so that He finds me faithful because that may be the day He's coming back. That's what waiting ready means. You will blow it just like I do sometimes, but His Spirit speaks to us. We do not live in this world by ourselves. God's Spirit lives in us and He speaks to us. And I am to get back to waiting ready. For His return is coming. And He will reward those who He finds. Not postponing faithfulness. And I'm going to tell you, some of you folks, you know, you know God has blessed you. And you need to quit postponing that faithfulness and become very, very active in letting God use you to help others more than just being kind and nice. Do we have any questions? This is just one, so I know. Okay. Do you think the verse Luke twelve forty six is the reason why some Christians believe you can lose your salvation? Well, I don't know. I'd have to ask the Christian. Jesus doesn't say anything about salvation. He just says there's severe punishment. He does say you're going to be cast from the unfaithful, which is judgment talk. Jesus doesn't say he's talking to Christians. Remember, let's go back. In context, Peter says, who are you talking to? You're talking to us who are your followers. That that They weren't Christians then, see, because Jesus hadn't died. Us who call you Lord, you are Lord, Son of God, okay? Or are you just talking to all people? And Jesus didn't say. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you who I'm talking to. I'm talking to faithful and unfaithful servants. So I don't think it applies. Okay, touch someone's life's gift. Thank you. Let me keep my.
Thank you. You gave? Thank you. You all gave. We gave, because Laura and I give to this, but $234. So we got two bags, $167 a piece. I'd like to ask uh, uh, Larry Newell, would you do this? And, and Autumn Harris, you were here. Would you do this? Let me give you and just some, some instructions. And if somebody wonders about these instructions, you want to see them, I'll give them to you. Uh, they just try to take all the pressure off. Okay? Just believe a blessing to somebody. Thank you for doing that. And uh, we'll read their stories. Uh, let's bow together for prayer and then we're done. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, God, for being a God that just didn't stay in heaven away from us and distant from us, but became very involved in our lives. And I thank you that that same Jesus has so imparted his truths into the lives of those early followers that, 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 Father, they shared them and it moved on down and touched some men's lives who touched my life. And now, God, you're using me to touch other people's lives. I thank you that, that your spirit works in a wonderful way through your people. Help us to be faithful people. Help us not to postpone faithfulness. Help us not to postpone if we need to apologize. Help us not to postpone if we need to let go of some wrongdoing. Help us not to postpone telling someone we love them. Help us not to postpone helping someone who wants to get better at living life. Help us not to postpone reading your word. Help us not to postpone spending time with you. Help us not to postpone building your kingdom in this world. Help us not to postpone being your faithful servants in this time of waiting between. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.